You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. god oh my god that happened didn't it that re- that just happened it really did the avalanche just did that and the golden knights just did that too we'll talk about all of that and that and that and that more in a second first a word from our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook it's playoff times that means big stakes and bigger promotions DraftKings sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into 200 That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still in the hunt for the trophy, and if that team wins, you will receive $200 in free credits. That's right. Pick any team that is still in contention. Bet $5, and if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds is to place a bet on the team of your choosing. And if they win, you are bringing home $200 on just a $5 bet. But if basketball is not your cup of tea, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on just about any sport imaginable, including hockey. And if you bet money on the Colorado Avalanche to beat the Vegas Golden Knights tonight, you would be raking in the cash, for example. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $200 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So I guess we should talk about uh, the game that just happened. The Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights start their long-awaited series. The series we have been waiting for Pretty much ever since these divisions were realigned back in December, this was basically penciled in as the second round matchup. The Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. We've, ba- we've basically been previewing it all season. Everything during this season has led to this moment. So how does Game 1 go? The Colorado Avalanche absolutely, positively laugh the Golden Knights out of the building in one of the most dominant performances I have ever seen, and the Vegas Golden Knights respond with probably some of the most gutless hockey I think I have also ever seen in my entire life. As to be expected from that organization, I really should not be surprised at this point. But before I go on my tirade ripping that organization to shreds like it deserves, let's talk about the positives from this game, because there are 
plenty of positives to talk about from this game, especially when you consider the final score. The Avalanche win game one by a final score of 7-1 to one over the Golden Knights. The puck dropped in this game, and it wasn't close from the start. The Avalanche boat raced the Golden Knights out of the building from puck drop. They were never in this game. This, this, this score is not padded by empty netters or just a pull away late. This game was over right after the puck dropped. This game was not close for a single second. The Avalanche were unequivocally the better team, and everything you need to know about this game shows on the scoreboard, on the box score. Miko Rantanen gets on the board first, a beautiful backhand from the circle. First of all, before I even, I should probably talk about this before I start getting into all the goals. Robin Leonard starts in net for the Vegas Golden Knights and not Marc-Andre Fleury, a decision that baffled me and several other people on both Colorado and Vegas's side alike as to why Leonard had not played a hockey game since the last time the Avalanche and Golden Knights met, that being the 2-1 to win for the Avalanche. Granted, Leonard played well in that game, but Vegas rode Flurry the entire first round against Minnesota, and there were questions as to whether Leonard would start Game 7, and he didn't. They rode Flurry, and for some reason they feel the need to turn to Leonard in this game. And make no mistake, Robin Leonard is a very good goalie. Vegas has the best goaltending tandem in the league. But why is he starting? This is the, this is the problem with having two really good goalies. You can only play one at a time. Like, in the playoffs, having two goalies honestly has only caused nothing but trouble for Vegas, has it not? The whole Marc-Andre Fleury thing from last season in the bubble where his agent posts, like, the sword through his back from Pete DeBoer. Like, what? why do they insist on doing this? I don't understand why Robin Leonard started this game when Fleury has played so well. I mean, he had a couple clunkers against Minnesota, but, like, nothing bad. He wasn't bad at all in the series. There were several games in that series where Flurry was very good. So just a baffling decision from Pete DeBoer, and I will talk more about Pete DeBoer later because he deserves it for some of the crap he pulled in this game. But let's just start with the goals in this game. Devontae's an absolutely gorgeous breakout up the ice, finds Miko Rantanen down the wing on his backhand, and he roofs it off of both posts and into the net. Just a beautiful, beautiful play. And one nothing Colorado early. The place is going nuts. And you you had no idea for the show that you were going to be in by the time this game wrapped up, by the time the first period wrapped up. Gabe Landeskog, 10 minutes later, of just an absolutely fucking beautiful feed from Kale McCarr. Finding a wide-open Landeskog, he buries it into a wide-open net. It is 2 to nothing. Avalanche just past the first 10 minutes of this game. And, oh man... I, the Avalanche have obviously been very, very good this season. I watched every single game of theirs. They won the President's Trophy. Obviously, this team's very good. I've already called them, the I'd say, one of the best teams of this last decade. This was their best performance of the season. And this first period wasn't as good as the second period based on the amount of goals, but 
I was honestly more impressed by this with just how dominant it was. They embarrassed Vegas, like the boogeyman. This is the team that we've been like comparing ourselves to all season. And they came out of here right away after not playing hockey in a week and erased Vegas. Just skated circles around them. That Vegas did everything in their power to get out of this period with it only being two to nothing. And great fucking good that did them by the end of this game. This game was just unbelievable. The the defense in this game was outstanding. Taze and Makar. I mean I heard all coming into this game, like, oh, Mark Stone, the most underrated player in the league. Mark Stone this, Mark Stone, underrated, underrated. You want to know who the most underrated player in the NHL is? It is Devontae's. People acknowledge how good he is, but they don't acknowledge just how good this man is at hockey. I think I do it, too. I think me even talking about him right now doesn't even give him the praise that he deserves. He has been arguably better than Makar at certain points this season. Makar makes the flashier plays, and he was outstanding in this game. But over the course of the season, Taze has been that security blanket for this team that really just does nothing wrong. He is the most underrated player in the league right now. He needs to be on a lot more Norris ballots than he eventually will be by the time those are released. And just unbelievable. And Kale Makar... What a feed to Gabe Landeskog to make this game two to nothing, wide open, threads the needle on everybody, and they're like they're just skating circles around them. Like people talked about the speed factor of the Golden Knights coming into this series, that they'd be able to maybe keep up with Colorado. No, not at all. This is what I've been talking about for months now. When the Avalanche play to their best. They simply can not be stopped. They can't be stopped. You will not beat them. The only way you have a prayer is to hope that this team does not show up to play. They play sloppy, yada, yada, whatever. That is the only way you have a chance, and even then it might not be enough. This is a prime example of the Avalanche showing up to play against their nemesis this season, a team that I have called their equal over the course of eight games this season. And it's also a team that had seven days of rest versus a team that had one day of rest. It showed in every single facet. And I wasn't sure how the rest of this game was going to go. I was considering maybe that Vegas would have a, a response to this game and make it close. I, I was not expecting the 7-1 to one score that we got, but just a minute into the second period, Brandon Saad makes it 3 to nothing. Nathan McKinnon makes it 4 to nothing. And I do have to mention NBC a little bit. They, th The crew on there is just bad. Like, I know it sounds, like, whiny to say, like, oh, they're rooting for the other team, but, like, throughout this game, when the Avalanche are dominating, like, for prime example, Saad makes it 3 to nothing. And three minutes later, McKinnon makes it 4 nothing. In that stretch, right before McKinnon scores, is it Brian Boucher is talking about, or was it Kenny Albert? doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it was Kenny Albert. 
Albert's talking like, well, Vegas has got to get one here. Then they know they're going to get a power play and they're get, they got to make it three or two on that. Like he's trying to like materialize a comeback scenario for Vegas. And he's not even done talking about that for 10 seconds before McKinnon makes it four to nothing in that play on a beautiful feed from Ryan Graves, who will be a main character in this podcast in a few minutes. Landeskog makes it five to nothing just a bit after that. And Ryan Graves lays a hit on Matthias Janmark about halfway through the game here. It's late. He deserved the interference penalty, but the response from the Golden Knights that initiated all of their antics and bullshit at the end of this game is inexcusable. The hit on Janmark, primary point of contact was the chest. You can maybe argue that like the top edge of his shoulder brushed his chin fine. He launches him into the boards. Yanmark goes to the room and does not return. I think the board contact was ultimately worse than the hit, and it's unfortunate. I hope Yanmark is okay. I mean, Mateus Yanmark, who scored a hat trick for the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 7 against the Minnesota Wild, that 6-2 win for Vegas to set up this series, he goes down with that. Vegas obviously isn't happy about it, but it was a clean hit. Like I'm sorry to say it, it was a clean hit with an unfortunate result. And I don't say that a lot. Like, if it's a dirty hit, I will call it on a dirty hit. You you guys know my stance on Nazem Kadri. That was disgusting, his hit on Justin Falk. This was not even close to that. But we will talk more about the Department of Player Safety in a minute because this hit did not deserve the kind of attention that it ultimately ended up getting in this game. But regardless... Shortly after that, Landeskog makes it 5 to nothing, and oh no, 30 seconds later, the Golden Knights make it 5 to 1, William Carlson. And it's 6 to 1 before long. Nathan McKinnon with quite possibly the most disrespectful goal scored by anybody this entire season. Just embarrassed Nick Haig. Like poor I felt bad for Nicholas Haig on this play. McKinnon took him to school in embarrassed him skated around him like this is just I would I, I wouldn't even call this NHL 21 because they've like have patched the game a bit where you just can't do this this is more like NHL 12 where you can just give your guy like 99 speed and just skate through everyone he's not even skating straight he skates in like a backward C and roofs it over Robin Leonard it's six to one and it's embarrassing at this point, they're running Vegas out of the building. And in the second intermission, all you see is the focus of the Avalanche right now should be to keep their head up because Vegas is probably going to start taking liberties because we just accept this from Vegas now. We've accepted that this is just what they what they do. And we were correct. We were correct because this third period, the Avalanche, they get a goal in this period to make it 7-1 to one because... Um, they had a nine-minute power play. Nine-minute power play. Nine-minute power play. Let me repeat myself. You are hearing that right. Stop scratching your ear. You're getting this right. The Avalanche had a nine-minute power play. That has not happened in an NHL game since 2009. So how did that happen, you're asking probably, if you'd somehow missed this game? Well, it's because... The Golden Knights did exactly what we all expected of them, exactly what they've done in past matchups with the Avalanche this season, exactly 
why Bo Byram has not played a hockey game since the Avalanche's last like home games against Vegas this season because of that hit from Keegan Colzar. First of all, Max Pacioretty with a dirty hit on Sam Girard, a reverse hit that he sees Girard coming. He puts his shoulder into his face, pure head contact, nothing else, draws blood. The game is stopped for five minutes because the officials call a double minor for high sticking at first because they thought his stick was involved. They got that wrong because his stick didn't touch him. You know, it was just his shoulder that rammed into his face. So therefore, after five minutes of reviewing the play, uh, Pacioretty got off scot-free and got a few minutes for roughing. So there were no penalties on that play. And after that, uh, this game gets out of hand because the officials absolutely refused to start kicking Golden Knights out of this game because Ryan Reeves uh, drove Ryan Graves to the ice, I guess, to try to make him answer for his clean hit on Yanmark earlier in the game. He drives him to the ice after cross-checking Grubauer in the head. This is not hyperbole. I am not making any of this up. Ryan Reeves cross-checks Philip Grubauer in the head after a whistle has gone, sees he is standing next to Ryan Graves, grabs him, drives him into the ice, and repeatedly knees him in the face. Reeves is then thrown out of the game for obviously a game misconduct and intent to injure. And also, like, I don't even remember, there are like three other guys thrown out for filth in that third period. Because that's just normal. This is just what Vegas does now. It's literally just what we can come to expect from them. This is what's happened with them ever since the, they've come into existence four years ago. I've seen it. I've watched them in the playoffs. Stanley Cup final against the Capitals. Brooks Orpik gets his finger sliced off after a game. Evgeny Kuznetsov has his wrist broken by this team. But people want to tell me that they're not dirty. I've seen it with my own eyes. Plenty of other people have seen it with their own eyes. I've seen it this season. All you got to do is go back. 48 hours to see Ryan Reeves driving Ryan Suter's face into the crossbar and getting off with a roughing penalty, not even a fine or a suspension from the league. All this could have been avoided if they just suspend Ryan Reeves like they should have. Ryan Reeves should be suspended, and he should not see another second of ice in this series. And the fact that Pete DeBoer is putting him on the ice in these games, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what Ryan Reeves does. He's played in Vegas ever since like the trade deadline of their inception when they got him from Pittsburgh. They know what Reeves does. They know what he is. He's part of their identity. They've said it himself. Ryan Reeves goes out there with the intention to hurt people. And that's what he did in this third period. He was out there with the intention to hurt people people. He was penalized with an intent to injure for injuring Ryan Graves. Thankfully, Graves came back in this game, but he was down on the ice for a moment there. I thought he might have been done. This was filth, and the Avalanche get a nine-minute power play out of this that they score on to make it 7-1. to Kale McCarr with that goal. You know, at the end of the second period, I was already thinking about uh, this show and everything, I was looking forward for the to the game being over so I could go downstairs immediately and record the show right away, have a jolly good old time, start laughing, being like, wow, the Avalanche are just so good. And I watched that third period, and I, I had to stop before I came downstairs. And I had to take a breath, get some water, because my blood was boiling. I was angry after a 7-1 to win, after the bullshit 
that the Golden Knights tried to pull. It pissed me off because this it has no place in the sport. It was gutless. It was embarrassing. They should all be ashamed. There should be more than one suspension to the Golden Knights out of this. There should be a significant fine to them. They were getting blown out by five goals, and they had really no intention of even trying to make this game respectable, only dragging it down into the muck and trying to make it easier on themselves in the later games of this series. That should bring forth a significant fine from the league because what they were doing was was very clear. There's no hiding it. There's no like, oh, well, it's chippy game. And there was there's no other way to discuss this here. They should be heavily punished for this. Reeves should be suspended for minimum the remainder of this series. He sh- he really he sh- there's no need for Ryan Reeves to be in the league. Can we say it? There is no reason for Ryan Reeves to be playing hockey in the NHL. You want to compare him to Tom Wilson or Nazem Kadri or any of the other supposed like dirtiest players in the league? At least a lot of those guys have significant roles on that on their teams. Tom Wilson is a top line player on the Washington Capitals. Nazem Kadri is this team's second line center. Ryan Reeves is a literal plug. They benefit when he's not on the ice. You look at his on-ice production, like analytically, he is a black hole of offense. He brings nothing to the table. The only reason they play this guy is because of his physicality, and his physicality is getting people hurt. There's no reason for this guy to be in the league. He doesn't bring anything to the table. It's embarrassing that he's allowed to run around and do that. And Pete DeBoer put him out on the ice, fully knowing what his intention was and what he wanted him to do. So that's all the time I'm going to spend on the ridiculous shit from Vegas in this game. It's not the last time it's going to happen in this series. They're going to start doing it again. They've done it before in the past in the playoffs. They've done it in the regular season against us. They did it 48 hours ago against Minnesota. They do it, and they do it all the time. This is just what we've come to expect from them, and people, and we're just supposed to accept it like it's normal. Like this, they just, oh, they play with an edge. No, they play to hurt, and they play cheap. It's how they it's how they've done business since their inception. It's why I very quickly into their existence grew very distasteful of this team. But enough about them. This is an Avalanche podcast, and the Avalanche just kicked the shit out of those scumbags seven to one in game one in a series that I have been waiting and just staring at my ceiling late at night, waiting for wondering what's going to happen in this series. What's going to happen in game one? What are these two teams going to look like? And, you know, I considered earlier today having, like, a little pregame show, maybe, like, 15 minutes or so, and then having the rest of this episode be what you're hearing right now. I eventually decided against it because I figured that whatever happened in this game wasn't going to be like everything I was going to say in that 15 minutes was probably going to be made immediately irrelevant and you'd probably be better off just skipping 15 minutes into the show anyway so I just decided to skip it and thank god I did because I would have had the complete wrong vibe of this game I was expecting a like a three to two at most like chess match I was expecting like high quality chess between two even teams what I got was a shooting gallery for the avalanche Like, this was, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again, this was one of the most dominant performances 
I have ever seen on a hockey rink. Most dominant performance of the season, and yes, I'm saying of the season because the Avalanche have blown out some teams before. You know, there's the 8 nothing game against St. Louis in the second game of the season. They, they've had their share of blowouts this season where they've just embarrassed teams. This is the Vegas Golden Knights, the second best team in the league in the standings, a team that we beat for the President's Trophy by a tiebreaker. And like I've said multiple times just in the last 15 minutes, a team that I have considered to be our equal this entire season and the team that we have counted down the days to meet in the playoffs, and we just had our most dominant performance against that team. That team. It's hard not to feel really, really good right now. Really, really good right now. They just destroyed probably the second best team in the NHL. They've established that they are a significantly better team than the Golden Knights. And just as much as I want to move past all of the stuff from the third period, honestly, like I'm just talking around it and I can't, I can't ignore it because it, it really just puts a black cloud over this game for me. Like, I was expecting Vegas to run around and start pulling some shit in the third period and we'd have to keep our head up and just seeing what Ryan Reeves tried to do to Ryan Graves in the third period, like just, it doesn't sit well with me. It really doesn't. This was a really ugly, ugly game and an ugly third period like this. And I'm worried for the rest of this series. I'm worried that if the Avalanche start doing this again, that they're just going to start running guys. Like, 30 seconds into the third period, Will Carrier was, like, trying to stick his skates out and slew foot graves. Like, they were trying to, like, deliberately injure this guy. They wanted to defile him and make him pay for hurting one of their guys with a clean hit. And you know what? I get standing up for your guy. You know what? Ryan Graves hurt one of your guys, and... He got, he got an interference penalty, which he deserved. It was a late hit, like a few seconds late. Yanmark was admiring his pass, and it was a few seconds late. He never saw him. And I get standing up for your guy, but this shit was just ridiculous. And Nick Haig in this as well. Like All the pity I had for him in the second period when McKinnon embarrassed him erased when he grabs Andre Burakovsky in a scrum. He's like, you want to go? You want to go, guy? You want to go? Like, it's Andre Burakovsky. The guy's been in one fight in his life. Yeah, you look real tough, like, shaking him around. I had never heard about Nick Haig until before the playoffs. Like, this organization, I just, I don't need to mince my words here. I hate them. I hate this team. Like, if you've been listening, you know for a while, like, I've grown up a Capitals fan. I have a strong, like, hatred for the Pittsburgh Penguins just because that's how I was raised. I was raised on that. Like, teams like the Rangers and the Islanders and the Flyers. Like, but those are all, like, this team is my team's rival and the games against them are intense and they beat us a lot. My dislike for Vegas has grown from, I have watched this team from their inception, and I legitimately hate everything about their existence, and I've hated it pretty much ever since the second month of their existence. 
I hate I've hated their attitude ever since this team was put together. I hate I, I just hated the way they got away with everything they did. I hate their Twitter account that that posts those like lowercase like puck bunny tweets like they're losing this game and afterwards they're like puppy picks please like it just looks so stupid like I don't want to be talking about Vegas and I really wish I wasn't but like I just can't ignore it here because it, it just it puts a black cloud over this game and if the Department of Player Safety does not take care of Ryan Reeves at bare minimum here what are we doing here Nazem Kadri just got eight games for his awful, terrible hit on Justin Falk that he deserved. And when I was talking to Drew on the last episode, I said I would reserve judgment until something like this happened again. And this is the exact scenario. Ryan Reeves is the definition of a repeat offender. And as we established last episode, repeat offender only comes into effect when they deem a play suspendable. This is suspendable. So if Ryan Reeves is not getting, at bare minimum, the rest of this series, there's favoritism happening here. There is. There's favoritism happening here, and the NHL is okay with the consequences of letting Reeves come back later in this series and having it turn into another disaster. And really, I don't think Pacioretty should be back next game either, but I'm not going to hold my breath at all. Because I am I have to hold my breath about Reeves. So I'm not even going to consider for a second that Pacioretty would get suspended. Because Pacioretty knew what he was doing on the Sam Gerrard play. He knew that Gerrard was there. He knew where his head was and he knew where his shoulder was going. He should have been booted from the game. But he wasn't. And I'm not going to hold my breath that there's going to be anything else. And just with this Reeves play, he was trying to crush Ryan Graves' head. And I just, wow. And if he gets away with this, I am going to be, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be furious because we will now know that even if the Avalanche, they they do this in three straight games after this, they sweep this series, they're going to be missing probably five players going into the third round if they do end up just running the table in this series because there are going to be several instances like this afterwards where Vegas just runs after them and tries to injure them. It's not the first time they've done it this season, and it's not going to be the last one in this series at all. But, again, I don't want to talk about that anymore, and I feel I feel dumb for trying to bring it back up. Let's talk about something positive. Sampo Ranta, Rambo Santa, makes his NHL debut with the best nickname in the NHL. Sampo Ranta. I like I talked about it a little last episode. He was practicing with the team. I was not expecting him to come in and play right away. That I got to be honest, that caught me off guard, but once I saw he was in, oh boy, was I ready. Sampo Ranta has the best nickname in all of sports, Rambo Santa. You just switch the his initials around. Sampo Ranta becomes Rambo Santa. And an NHL team who has a guy with the nickname Rambo Santa is not going to lose ever. The Avalanche were winning this game from the very second that he was announced to be in the lineup. And yeah, he didn't really do much, but whatever. <laughs> He's there, and that's just kind of awesome, right? And just the energy in the building tonight in Colorado was otherworldly. Colorado does not get the credit that it deserves 
as being the fan base that it is. You, all you see is people talking about, oh, Carolina's loud. Oh, and Vegas is loud. And Nashville's really loud. Colorado's not even at full capacity, and they put a lot of those organizations to shame with those crowd noises. They don't need a bunch of, like, weird chants. Like, there's, there's no gimmicks. They're just a loud... It's just a loud crowd that loves the game, that knows the game. They're not, like, stupid and unreasonable. The energy in the building was outstanding all night long. Colorado just, we really do have one of the best fan bases in the league. And we, we just don't get the credit that we deserve. And it's, I mean, to be fair, it's hard not to, like, be wowed in your seat to see what the Avalanche did tonight in person. To see Kale McCarr shaking off Vegas skaters like they're essentially preschoolers and to see what Nathan McKinnon did to Nick Haig and Robin Leonard and just to see them literally skating circles around the Golden Knights is it was just a treat to watch for the first 40 minutes and while the third period was a disgrace and the Avalanche had a nine minute power play to just do whatever they want with and kill the clock and they scored on it, which I like, but they, if they didn't score on it, it literally would have made no difference in this game whatsoever. And just what a treat. What a treat this game was. Just a complete, utter domination. I think the part that would scare me the most as if I was like a non-Avalanche fan is that this was better than any game they played against St. Louis. It, like, this, this game made it look like they were not even trying against the Blues legitimately makes it look like they took it easy on St. Louis for the most part. They let St. Louis off the hook and swept them with ease, and now they're actually starting to take it seriously because <laughs> this was unbelievable. Just, like, absolutely unbelievable. Their Golden Knights were on their heels for probably 98% of this game. Like, they made, like, some pushes every here and there, like maybe in the last three minutes or so of the first, but... Grubauer stood tall for essentially all of it. The only goal that Vegas scored in this game, you could argue was a penalty, but the Avalanche were never going to get another power play after they just had two and scored on one. So, like, Sam Gerrard gets kind of knocked down in front and the puck kind of gets loose. It gets around to the front of the net and Pacioretty feeds a wide open William Carlson, like in the crease essentially to make it 5-1 and that's it. That's all the Golden Knights had this and like I, the the other part is like I was so impressed by the third period but it, like my my rational dumb reasonable brain is thinking like well there's obviously no way that that's just gonna happen again this is Vegas we're talking about like they're a good team this game's probably gonna end up being close and literally 64 seconds into the period I'm wrong and Saad makes this three to nothing like that like that's not even your top line that's Nachushkin inside like it's just such a shame that like my excitement level had to be brought down by that third period because I was so ready to come on here and just gush about this team and how much I just fucking love this team and I'm, do I'm doing my best not to have it circle back to that third period just because it's fresh in my mind still and like god the McKinnon goal to make it four to nothing, five hole on Leonard. Sure, it was a weak goal. And like the whole, oh, well, they should have started Marc-Andre Fleury and maybe this game is different. I don't know about that. Which one, which one of these is Fleury stopping? Like, let, let's look at these. Okay, so 
The first one, probably getting a stop there. Okay, well, the Landeskog one is going in, so that's one nothing after one. Uh, the Sod goal, that's going in, uh, so now it's 2 nothing. Maybe the second McKinnon goal, or the, the first McKinnon goal to make it 4 to nothing. You know, maybe, maybe he makes a save on that, but the way they were playing, I still think they end up scoring there anyway. But let's just say they don't. So it's, what is it, 2 nothing Avalanche, 2 nothing Avalanche at this point. You take two goals off the boards. The fifth one absolutely is going in. That that was like, Elliot Friedman tweeted, that was like watching the Harlem Globetrotters. It was. It was essentially watching the Harlem Globetrotters. They embarrassed Vegas's penalty kill here. One of the best penalty kills in the league, mind you. Right? Yeah, it is. It's their. It's Vegas's power play that's bad. I almost got that mixed up for a second, but I mean, Vegas is defensively one of the best teams in the league, behind Colorado, by the way, but still one of the best non-Colorado defensive teams in the NHL, and they got, and they look this stupid on this play, and they like they tr- they kept trying to get the puck out of the zone, they couldn't do it, and oh my god, and like the. <laughs> what led to this, I just, I totally forgot about this because of the third period, like Will Carrier took two consecutive penalties because the Avalanche just got done with a power play because Carrier tried to wrestle down McCarr and had, had to have him taken off of the ice for a second. McCarr, that is. Carrier goes to the box. Avalanche don't get a goal. Carrier then tries to go after Ryan Graves behind the net and takes a roughing penalty. So the Avalanche basically got four minutes of power play time and they scored late on the second one. Just And they, they probably, if this was like an all-you-can-eat power play for five, like if this was the nine-minute power play, we could be talking about a, a 12-0 game with how perfect this power play was. Like I've had my gripes with the power play. A lot of people have had their gripes with the power play this season and how it's gone cold at times. This was one of the best executed power plays I have ever seen in my entire life. Bar none. It was that good. And this, the finish, Landeskog's second goal of the game, unbelievable. Like, I, I was I was just sitting on my chair. Like, I celebrate all the first four goals, and on the fifth one, I'm, I'm just leaning back, and my mouth is agape. Like, holy shit. We're really doing this. And, of course, Vegas made 5-1 after that. I was like, ah, whatever. And then McKinnon did that. After that, to make it six to one, reclaiming the five goal lead with just one of the dirtiest goals of the season. Like, we thought what he did in Vegas, or not in Vegas, in Lake Tahoe against Vegas, uh, with Alex Petrangelo going, oh boy, was like his highlight reel this season. This was disgusting. Like, you see, like, their Deke goals and everything from McDavid. And Crosby and stuff like that. Like this was McKinnon getting just a freight train down the ice past Nick Hague and embarrassing Robin Leonard. This was just like I I might just when I'm done I might just watch this goal on loop and just put it on the speaker and just have it put me to sleep tonight and just have sweet sweet dreams of such a beautiful play from Nathan McKinnon and that would wrap up that second period of hockey and the avalanche they've they dominated their second periods have always been dominant this one was one of their best and i've talked about the third period enough the avalanche just the better team from puck drop to the final horn just the a better team there's excuses for vegas in this one some of them more justified than others vegas 
clearly tired. They played a game seven and just wrapped up a seven game series against Minnesota on Friday. And Colorado had a week off. They were clearly fresher. Robin Leonard, not the smart choice in goal for them. They should have just gone with Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, I, d- I never understood the narrative coming into this game, like the justification as well. You have to start Leonard at some point. Why? No, you don't. You don't You don't have to start Leonard eventually. You should be playing Flurry until Flurry gives you a reason to take him out. That's how this that's how it should work in the playoffs. If you have two good goalies, you should play one until there is no argument for the other one to be playing. Or there's or there is no argument for the guy who's in net to be playing anymore. That's how it works. Like you can't just be like, ah, well, Flurry needs rest. This isn't the regular season. This isn't a back-to-back. You can't just be like, we're gonna rest Flurry and put Leonard in so we can put Flurry in in game two. What happened if what happens if Leonard was great tonight? I mean, now obviously Flurry's gonna start game two, but like now you're just now you probably just pissed Flurry off for no reason. Leonard like they're like you can't run this tandem back next year. Like it's 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 kind of dumb. Like obviously having two good goalies is great, and they 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 won the Jennings Trophy for letting in like the least amount of goals as a team this season. But like you're spending twelve million dollars on your goaltending, and you can only play one of them in the playoffs. And you have Robin Len. You just signed Robin Leonard to a five year deal, and Flurry expires after next season so I like I guess you run it back next season but I just don't it's it's a great thing in the regular season it's fantastic idea in the regular season but when you get to the playoffs it's just kind of dumb like you can't you can't play them both at the same time and like the only advantage is like, okay, Flurry gets hurt you put Leonard in net not much of a difference Leonard gets hurt you put Flurry in net not much of a difference and if Grubauer gets hurt, you put in Jonas Johansson or Devin Dubnik. Big difference. Okay, advantage there. But if neither of them are hurt, what do we? It's really just kind of a waste of time, right? Like it's just I don't much see the point in doing that for them. So Flurry is going to start game two, no question about it. Flurry has had the Avalanche's number a little bit this season, but we've definitely beaten him a lot this season too, and he looked human against Minnesota at a lot of points in that series. I mean, there were, there were points where he was fantastic, but also a lot of times where he was okay. Like, game five, 10 saves on 13 shots, three goals. And game six, lets in three goals on 24 shots. Not great either. Sure, they got shut out in that game, but still not a great save percentage for him either. So, like, just, he's been human. You can beat Fleury. I have no fear of Marc-Andre Fleury, especially if this is how our offense is going to play. You should fear no goaltender. You should, like, if Patrick Waugh mended his old body and is somehow thrown in net for Vegas and is back to prime form, you should not fear him either. Like, this team can beat any goalie and any defense put in front of him. Like there's there's no better defense than the Avalanche defense, so you like you don't have to worry about facing the best defensive team in the league. And if you do, it's Vegas outside of the Avalanche, obviously, and you just embarrass them seven to one. There is no reason not to come out of this game 
feeling good except for the obvious fact that you are now immensely pissed off at the Golden Knights for being a scummy organization that tried to injure your players in a blowout game for no other reason other than to try to give them advantage an advantage in the later games. Other than that, what else do you say about this game other than the Avalanche were every bit what they needed to be tonight? They were the best version of themselves, and they housed Vegas. They housed them. And like I said earlier in the episode, and like I have said all season long, when Colorado plays their best game, you will not beat them. You won't. It won't happen. You might as well pack it in. When they show up to play, you better hope and pray that your goalie has one of the best performances ever seen in the history of the NHL because that is your only chance if the Avalanche show up to play. That is your only chance because it won't matter. Even if even if that happens too, the Avalanche are likely still scoring three on you and you're going to have to find a way to beat the league's best defense with a solid Philip Grubauer behind them and find a way to score four goals in that game too. I don't want to feel too good after game one. The Avalanche only lead this series one to nothing. They didn't get two or three wins out of this. Like if Vegas somehow steals game two, it's a 1-1 series going to Vegas and it's a completely different story. But it's hard not to feel good. How many teams have had such a dominant game one and then gone on to lose the series? I mean, Vegas did it to San Jose in their initial season, did they not? Like, seven to nothing and won that series in six? Like, so, I don't know. I'm feeling all right right now about this series. Not at all, I'm not at all saying this series is over. It's not. It's one game. But the Avalanche are the better team here. If they lose this series, that will be their fault. It won't be because Vegas is better. It won't be because we we didn't do something right building this team and Vegas found a weakness. It'll be because Colorado gave it to them. That'll be the only reason the Avalanche do not advance to round three. But in terms of the game, kind of it. Uh, we can take a bit of a look around the league as the playoffs really start to heat up. Uh Biggest storyline outside of, obviously, uh, Avalanche and Golden Knights is Toronto is on the verge of blowing a 3-1 lead to the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, this is happening. On Monday night, which by the time you're hearing this is probably tonight, Toronto and Montreal are going to be playing a Game 7 after Toronto lost Games 5 and 6 in overtime against Montreal. And if they lose this Game 7, it will be probably the most pathetic collapse since Tampa Bay lost to Columbus, and before that, probably since Montreal came back from down 3-1 against Washington in 2010. I'm going to be watching that game with probably 10 bowls of popcorn. Like, that is going to be one of the most intriguing games I think I will ever watch in my life. And if Toronto loses it, this offseason is going to be one of the most entertaining for any team in NHL history. This meltdown would be historic for them. I can't wait for that Game 7. And also, if Montreal wins, 
that makes a potential opponent for round three very, very clear. Because, just spitballing, Montreal wins tomorrow. They would take on the Winnipeg Jets in the Canadian division final, the second round. And the winner of that series, no matter what, would be the four seed. So if Montreal wins, the winner of Winnipeg and Montreal would be the four seed. And if Colorado wins this series, that is who they will play. But if Toronto doesn't choke and they play Winnipeg, the Avalanche have three potential opponents for the semifinal. If Toronto beats Winnipeg, then Colorado, if they beat Vegas, obviously, I feel like I have to preface that in order not to jinx anything. If Colorado beats Vegas and Toronto beats Winnipeg, Colorado would play the winner of the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders, no matter what. But if Winnipeg wins, no matter what, Colorado would play them because they... They're, they're all getting reseeded after the second round. So Colorado, no matter what, is the highest seed. They're the President's Trophy winners. They have home ice advantage in this series, the semifinal, and the final, no matter what. And no matter what, they cannot play uh, the winner of Carolina and Tampa Bay. I've done all the math on this. The earliest they can play the winner of that series would be the Stanley Cup final. So if Winnipeg wins in the second round, that is who Colorado will play. Winnipeg's only possible opponents are Colorado or Vegas in the semifinal. If Toronto wins, we will not play them under any circumstance because Toronto finished pretty high in the standings. We would play the winner of the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders. Boston leading that series one to nothing with a game one win on, what was it, Saturday? I think the Bruins are going to win that series. So if Toronto wins game seven and beats Winnipeg, I'm pretty certain that the the third round is going to be Colorado-Boston, which I think by itself is an outstanding series. You've got the two best lines in the sport going against each other, but that that is so far in the future right now. I don't want to get too ahead of myself yet for a, for a game one win on either side, but we still have to see how Toronto-Montreal goes. It's can we just say it? it's dumb that there is a game seven happening and we have three all other series in the second round are underway. Can we just say it like Carolina, Tampa Bay, they've played game one, New York and Boston have played game one. And now Colorado Vegas has played game one and Edmonton and Winnipeg has been waiting for an opponent for a week, essentially. This is just kind of dumb scheduling on the NHL's part. I mean, we had, we started the first round when there were regular season games still being played. Like, I don't understand the rush. Like, no, we need to be done by July 15th or the, the le- every team is going to simultaneously explode or something. Like, it's a very bad look when you have Game 2 of New York Islanders and Boston Bruins on the same day as Game 7 for Toronto-Montreal. That affects your ratings. And like, it's just, it's simple stuff. That should not be the case. Wait a little bit or adjust the skit. You know what you should have done in the first place? You should have started the Canadian division playoffs earlier. Calgary and Vancouver were mathematically eliminated. There was nothing they could have done in any of those games that would have impacted the Canadian division playoffs at all. Just let them play their meaningless games. Because, like, they they finished 
like the Wednesday after the playoffs started for everybody else. So Edmonton and Winnipeg couldn't play until that Wednesday, and Toronto-Montreal couldn't play until that Thursday. At that point, the playoffs had been going on for five days. You couldn't just start it earlier for them. You had to wait for the meaningless regular season games to be done. Like It's just such a dumb decision on their part, and now you, you have a second-round series that is probably going to need a back-to-back again in order to be done in time for who, like whoever's getting the winner of that series to have an opponent on time. Like, Are we going to have like the two-versus-three matchup be in Game 2 before the other semifinal even gets started? Like, No, that's ridiculous. And also, like, Toronto's not having fans for the Game 7. Like, not, not even, like, healthcare workers who've been fully vaccinated. Like, Montreal had fans for Game 6, but Toronto really can't have, like, 2,000, like, healthcare workers there. I get it's punishment to watch the Maple Leafs sometimes, but come on. All jokes aside, come on. Let the fans in the arena, man. There's going to be a Game 7, a historic Game 7 between Toronto and Montreal without fans. Give me a break. That's so sad and just such a waste. But I don't I don't know how that game's going to go. Honestly, I'm just going to sit there and watch. If Montreal wins, I will laugh my ass off. If Toronto wins, I'll be like, okay, they won a, a round. Even if Toronto wins the round, that's not enough. Yeah, you got a playoff round against the worst team in the playoffs. Yeah, I said it. Montreal is the worst team here. They are. They wouldn't have made the playoffs in a normal season. Yes, St. Louis has a losing record, and they played in the terrible West Division. I know that. I know. I've seen the West. It sucks. I understand. But St. Louis was not bad to end the season. They were bad for most of the season. They turned it on late. They were not a shitty team. Montreal is not that good. They are Carey Price right now. And they would not have made the playoffs in the Atlantic in a normal season. They are only here because of the division realignment right now. If Toronto loses a series to them, I don't know what they do. And if they win Game 7, it's not enough. You have to run through Winnipeg, or I'm not impressed. Honestly, I'd, I'd take Winnipeg in 6 over any of them. And if Colorado beats Vegas, I'd say we have Colorado-Winnipeg on the horizon in the semifinal. And if it's not that, then I'd say Boston. But I think I'm starting to lose my voice now. I think I've been talking almost no, nonstop for 55 minutes. But the Colorado Avalanche take game one against the Vegas Golden Knights with a 7-1 to final. Game two on Wednesday. So I will be doing the same thing for this one. Unfortunately, this game for me is at 10 o'clock. So it'll be much later. But... It'll be up all the same. You won't you won't even know the difference because it'll be up it's all up at 3 a.m. in the morning anyway. So you'll get a pretty instant reaction to game two and whether it's a, another seven to one win or if it's a ten nothing loss. You'll get the same instant reaction from me. So a nice little two day break. I guess I think it's because of the nuggets. And I, yeah, I'm pretty I'm I'm fairly certain it was because of like the Nuggets play on Tuesday or something. There's some situation with that. I don't follow basketball, but get a nice little tube day break just to marinate in that kind of win. So hope you guys enjoy the the two days of victory and take a deep breath 
There's more to life outside of hockey. You don't need to yell at Ryan Reeves. Even if Ryan Reeves gets nothing, take a walk, go outside, drink some water. You know, go hang out with people. You'll survive. Then on Wednesday, you can get mad again. But until then, take it easy. We won. We need three more wins. We're in a good spot. We're the better team. Good spot. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It As It Is. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time when hopefully the Avalanche will be taking a 2-0 series lead to Las Vegas for games 3 and 4. See you all then. Have a great two-day break.